Morning, Lakeside. Morning. Good to see you this morning. Uh, men who are in the room who were here yesterday with about 100 other guys, uh, I'm still full. So it, it was a great morning yesterday morning uh, with about 100 guys for our men's breakfast and wonderful time of conversation about how we can have victory in our lives over certain sins that we face. And so it was just a blessing. I'm so thankful for the yesterday morning. I'm um, very thankful today to be here and, and to be able to open the word with you. And so uh, I, I would trust that you have your own copy of God's word. I'd ask you to open it back up to John 18 with me this morning as we get started and be able to put your eyes right on to your own copy of God's word uh, this morning. So in the, in the last few weeks, uh, we have been following Jesus on his journey to the cross. And we started this journey in the upper room in Jerusalem as Jesus ate with his disciples. We, we then moved to Gethsemane where Jesus prayed and, and then was arrested. And last week we were at the high priest's house where Jesus was wrongly tried in the middle of the night and where Peter denied Jesus three times. Now today, the sun is coming up. It's Good Friday. The day's breaking. And we head off along with the religious leaders and Jesus to the governor's headquarters. Here, the religious leaders needed a Roman ruling so that Jesus could be put to death because Rome was an authority at the time over the Jews and only Rome could sentence someone to death. And so this is where Jesus, at the governor's headquarters, this is where Jesus meets Pilate, the Roman governor over Judea. Let's open up and just let's dedicate this time to the Lord as we get started here this morning. Father, thank you again for your holiness, for your worthiness, Lord. And God, I'm reminded that as we open up your word today, we are standing on, hol on holy ground, Lord. And so, Lord, I pray that you, through your Holy Spirit and through your word today, that you would act in each one of our hearts, Lord, that you'd get me out of the way and let your words come out loud and clear so that if there's one in here or many in here that have never fully surrendered their life to you, God, I pray that today would be the day that you would knock on the door of their heart and they would open that door to you. And for those of us who have fully surrendered, Lord, God, I pray that you would increase our confidence in you and who you are, and that we would, our boldness would increase for the gospel as we look at your word today. Lord, we love you. We're looking forward to what you're going to do today. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. So we come to the governor's headquarters, and, and a lot of times, if you look in your Bible and you have headings in your Bible, you, you'll, see Jesus, you'll see the words, Jesus before Pilate. And, and let me tell you, that I think is not the way to phrase it, okay? Let me give you a little background of what's happening, what's coming up right now, about specifically about Pilate, okay? 
So Pilate was the governor put in charge of, from Rome over the area of Judea. His normal headquarters would be in Caesarea, but during special feast times like the Passover, he would go to Jerusalem to make sure that if there's any disturbances, since there's a lot of people going there to celebrate the Passover, if there's any disturbances, he would be a present there and be able to put down any problems that, that would arise. Now, Pilate, what we know a little background about him was, that, was this. Pilate was a brutal, politically inept, and he was a very shrewd leader. He was a native of Seville, Spain, and only got his job when, after joining the Roman legions, he met Claudia Procula, a granddaughter of the Emperor Augustus. His administration in Judea was noted for political mistakes that revealed severe character flaws. To sum up Pilate, one writer said this, listen carefully. He was a materialist, hungrily pursuing the fantasies of power, celebrity status, and sensual satisfaction. Doesn't that describe the modern day person outside of Christ? I'll read that again. He was a materialist, hungrily pursuing the fantasies of power, celebrity status, and sensual satisfaction. That describes perfectly any man or woman outside of Christ. I can just turn on my TV and I will see that. Revelation 3.20, Jesus says this, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. And so today we are going to look at and we're going to see Jesus at the door of Pilate's heart knocking. You see, Jesus wasn't on trial here. Let me set the record straight right now. Humanly, yeah, they, humanly, yeah he's on trial. But no, no, Jesus is not on trial today. Pilate is. And that's why I've titled this, instead of your heading in your Bible where it says Jesus before Pilate, I've changed it, Pilate before Jesus. And so today we're going to look at four knocks on Pilate's heart. Let me just give you the four knocks right now on Pilate's heart, and then we're going to go over each one of them. Okay, four knocks on Pilate's heart. The first one is the knock of a personal relationship. The second one, the knock of a supernatural kingdom. The third one is the knock of absolute truth. And then the fourth one, which I dip into John chapter 19 a little bit, the knock of supreme authority. Four knocks on Pilate's heart. Let's set the stage and look at the first knock. As I said just a minute ago, that these religious leaders in our first part of the passage, the religious leaders have to go to Rome to Pilate, the governor of Judea, to get what they want, and that's Jesus dead. And so they go around 6 a.m. in the morning on that Friday, and they go in, and they bring Jesus before Pilate. 
And Pilate starts the proceedings as any proceedings he would start would start this way by asking them, what charge do you bring against this man? What accusation do you bring against this man? And they answer, if this man were not doing evil in verse 30, we would not have delivered him over you. Talking about a non-answer. So Pilate doesn't want to play that game. He just says, well, take him for yourselves and judge him by your own law. Jesus is like, nope, we can't do that because it's unlawful for us. It's not lawful for us to put people to death. That got Pilate's attention. And so Pilate goes forth in the proceedings and he goes in verse 33, we see this interaction start with Jesus. In verse 33, so Pilate entered the head, his headquarters again. It's interesting to me, I just want you to understand, the religious leaders, it tells us they didn't go inside the governor's headquarters because that would be going into a Gentile area that would defile them. They were worried about being clean before uh, the Passover so they could celebrate Passover and do those things. They were worried about being clean, so they stayed out, which gave Jesus a captive audience in, in Pilate. And he didn't have to have those religious leaders around at the time. So verse 33 says, so Pilate entered the headquarters again and he called Jesus and he said to him, are you the king of the Jews? And here's the knock of a personal relationship. Jesus answered, do you say this of your own accord or did others say it to you about me? The knock of a personal relationship John is the only writer of a gospel who gives us the details of this personal conversation that Jesus has with Pilate. And in this, in this answer to Pilate, Jesus is wanting to know what Pilate personally thought. Notice Jesus asks questions here. He doesn't answer the question outright, are you the king of the Jews? He asks the questions of himself, of, of his own, and he says, do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? He's trying to get Pilate to say, who do you say I am, Pilate? Pilate, it's you and me right here, right now. Who do you say I am? It's a personal relationship here. I want to know personally what you think, not what others have told you. And it's so interesting to me, isn't it just like Jesus? Isn't it just like Jesus, who's face to face with his greatest suffering coming his way, staring down the cross, and he's not interested in himself at all at this point. He's interested in Pilate's heart. He's wanting to get right into Pilate's heart and reveal himself to Pilate personally reveal himself to Pilate. So you see the knock of a personal relationship. Let me tell you, today, if you haven't ever fully surrendered your life to Christ, God's knocking on the door of your heart. And I'll tell you, it's a personal knock. He wants your heart. He wants you in a relationship with him. It's a personal, personal knock and a personal relationship. The next knock is the knock of a supernatural kingdom then. Knock of a supernatural kingdom, and we see this in verses 35 through 36. 
So Pilate gives another good non-answer here. Says, do you say this of your own court, Jesus says, or did others say to you? Pilate answered him, am I a Jew? Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. And then Pilate asked another question, what have you done? What have you done? You could just see the Pilate becoming uncomfortable. Like, this isn't about me. Don't turn this to me. What have you done? And Jesus answers in verse 36, and, and look at this. Put your eyes on this. Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from the world. This is the knock of a supernatural kingdom that Jesus is using with Pilate. Since Jesus' kingdom is not of this world, that makes him a spiritual king. A spiritual king does not rule by material force. That's what he's saying here. He's saying if my kingdom was of this world, my servants would fight for me and not let me be drug into this courtroom right now. And we saw that, didn't we? We saw Peter. He thought he, he, thought he was of a world kingdom. Peter didn't. He whipped out that sword, cut Malchus', Malchus ear off. And Jesus is like, no, we're going to fix that. That's fixed because my kingdom is not of this world. This absolutely would have got Pilate's attention if he didn't have his attention already. Because if Jesus claimed to be an earthly king, then the decision was easy. Crucify him. He's a threat to Rome. We're done. But as a spiritual king of a supernatural kingdom that was out from the midst of the world... He was guilty of nothing by the world's standards then. And Pilate knew that. It's really interesting. You have Pilate and Jesus in the same room. You have Jesus, who's a spiritual king of a supernatural kingdom. And you have Pilate, who is a material king over a worldly kingdom. What a contrast! Pilate, we just talked about him. Pilate would ruthlessly do anything to have power, honor, and glory. That's how, that's how the world works. That's the world's kingdom. How I get to the top is I ruthlessly do anything to have the power, the honor, and the glory. But Jesus is a spiritual king of a supernatural kingdom. He gives up his glory to spiritually win souls and hearts to him and have a relationship with him. You see, Pilate only valued what he could touch, taste, and feel. Jesus lived and taught that we ought to lay up treasures for ourselves up in heaven, not here on this earth. The contrast is stark between these two guys. And Jesus is saying, Pilate, Pilate, 
You can be part of a supernatural kingdom, Pilate. That's greater than you, greater than any glory you've ever had or you'll ever see. Come on, Pilate. And I have to ask you, as Jesus is knocking on the door of Pilate's heart, he might be knocking on the door of your heart by saying, stop chasing after, stop pursuing after everything this world has to offer you. And open your door to me because I am the king of a supernatural kingdom. And you can be a part of that today. Come on in, enjoy it all. Forget what this world has to offer you because it's nothing and it's all gonna go away someday. I have great things that will last for eternity. Amen? Come on, believers, amen? Amen. Jesus knocks. I'm a spiritual king over a supernatural kingdom. Come on in. You can be part of that, Pilate. You can be a part of that. So we have the knock of a personal relationship, the knock of a supernatural kingdom, and then I want to look at this knock of absolute truth. Wow, that's not relevant for today at all, is it? Absolute truth. Let's look at this. Verses 37 through 38. So Jesus just finished up talking about how his kingdom is not from this world. And Pilate says right back to him, so you are a king. Good job, Pilate. <laughs> Pilate says, you say that I am a king. Or Jesus, excuse me, says, you say that I'm a king, verse 37. For this purpose, I was born. And for this purpose, I have come into the world. Oh, I can't help but think back into our long study of the book of John, good news in the bad news world. Go back to John chapter one, where John says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory. Glory is the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So for this purpose, I have I was born, Jesus says, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. This also points me back, as Jesus is talking here, it points me back to John 14, verse six, where Jesus says that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. John uses the word truth more than any other human author of scripture. He uses it 23 times in the book of John. Because that is why Jesus came, according to John, to bear witness to the truth so that people could know the truth and be rescued. In John 19, I'm not going to ask you to turn there, but in John 19, verse 35, after Jesus has died on the cross, John puts this little sentence in there about why he's, he's writing this, why he saw, what he saw that day at, at the cross. And he says this. 
He says, he who saw it has borne witness, talking about himself. His testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling you the truth that you also may believe. That's why Jesus is bearing witness to the truth. That's why John wrote down everything he wrote, and he made sure it was true so that you and I would believe Jesus, as he's sitting there, standing there before Pilate, and really Pilate before Jesus, Jesus is telling Pilate, the truth is right in front of you. I am the truth. This is why I've come into the world. You know, when we have the opportunity as pastors, and I I pray that you would get these opportunities too, brothers and sisters in Christ, because if we have this opportunity and we go and visit with people, and we have the opportunity to get to know them and, and talk to them and hear their life story, and then the question that we have to ask, because I'm part of a supernatural kingdom, not of this world, so the question I have to ask each time is, if you were to die today, and you were to stand before God, and God was to ask you why he should let you into heaven, what would you say? And I'll tell you, the, the answer to that question, top two answers are, one, I'm a good person. I've, I've, I've raised in a good home. I've done a lot of good in my life. I, I mean, just goes on and on and on, listing all the things they've done that's good. The second answer I hear a lot is, I grew up in a church and I was baptized when I was a baby. That's another one I hear. And then we lean in and we ask a follow-up question. And that is, if that was the wrong answer, would you want to know the right, true one? And about every time, we get, well, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) The truth is right in front of you. Let me tell you what the truth is today. God's word says this, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us have missed the mark when it comes to being good enough to be in heaven. We fall short of heaven. It goes on to say, the wages of sin, what you earn because you missed the mark, is death, separation from God for all eternity in a place called hell. But the gift of God, that verse goes on to say, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then John writes in John 1, 12, and don't miss this, get this. He says, but to all who did receive him, who believe in his name, He gave them the right to become children of God. Receive, take the free gift by believing, by being fully persuaded that this is absolute truth and this is the way it's going to be. And then you have the right because it's given to you by God through Jesus to become his child and you become a part of that supernatural kingdom and you get to know absolute truth. The gospel 
The good news of Jesus, what I just explained to you, is absolute truth. And it's absolutely time for you to believe and receive it today. Pilate's response, though, in the very next word, verse, look at it. Pilate said to him, what is truth? What is truth? That's what the kingdom of this world says, doesn't it? What's truth? Or they make a truth. There is no truth. <laughs> well, that's not true. <laughs> now I'm all confused. Pilate says, what is truth? And then notice right away, after he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him. So Pilate asks, what is truth? He walks away probably because, and I know I'm just thinking here as I've been thinking and studying through this, probably because he knew where it was leading and he didn't want it. Don't be Pilate. Don't be Pilate. Only believe in Jesus. Jesus knocks. I'm absolute truth. It's standing right in front of you, Pilate. So we've looked at the knock of a personal relationship. We looked at the knock of a supernatural kingdom. We've looked at the knock of absolute truth. And now Jesus in chapter 19, and I know I'm going into somebody else's passages next week, okay, who's going to be preaching. But you know what? I have to finish the story of Pilate here. And this knock is a big knock. It's the knock of supreme authority. So turn your pages to John 19. And look, we're just going to zero in on verses 7 through 11. Before we read 7 through 11, I want to just give you another side note of what's been going on in Pilate's life that John doesn't give us. Okay? There's these other little knocks that were taking place in Pilate's life already. One is found in Matthew 27, 19. Matthew gives us this information. So besides, while he, that was Pilate, was sitting, I'll read it for you. Okay? Here we go. Besides, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, that's Pilate, his wife, Pilate's wife, sent word to Pilate. Have nothing to do with that righteous man. For I've suffered much because of him today in a dream. This is a, a, a little knock of circumstances that takes place in Pilate's life. And you know, we just heard one of our own, Mary Davis, who was baptized, that there was a knock in her life, a little knock of circumstances with a boat incident that made her realize that, wow, there, there's a God, there's God, he's out there. This was Pilate's knock of that. Have nothing, his wife says, have nothing to do with that righteous man, for I've suffered much because of him today in a dream. 
Now, come on, even before that, Pilate's been in charge now for these years that Jesus has been ministering. And Jesus, most likely, Pilate heard about this teacher. He heard about this great rabbi who was doing these miracles and all these great things. And he heard all about this guy, I'm sure, through the grapevine. He heard about this Jesus who's standing right in front of him. Jesus was knocking. And so now Jesus comes and he gives him the knock of supreme authority here in verses 7 through 11. Look at it with your own eyes, please. Here it is. The Jews answered him. We have a law, and according to that law, he ought to die. And once again, they're telling Pilate this. He ought to die because he has made himself the son of God. And as soon as they said that, those three words, son of God, Verse 8 tells us when Pilate heard that statement, he was even more afraid. And he ran back in to his headquarters again. And I could, I could see this because this is how humans respond. When you get afraid at times, you get angry. Okay? When you get afraid at times, you get angry. And so he runs back into Jesus. He entered into his headquarters again. And he said to Jesus, Where are you from? And the text tells us Jesus gave him no answer. I know I'm using a little liberty here, but, but I can imagine that when he gave him no answer, because there was no answer to be given, there was no answer that needed to be given to Pilate because he knew. And I'm thinking, Jesus, when he was answering that question, where do you come from? Jesus probably did one of these. Kind of glanced up. Kind of like, you know. You know, Pilate. We've talked about this. My kingdom's not of this world. Put it together. And so Pilate, even more afraid and getting angry, as happens humanly, in verse 10, he says, you will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have the authority to release you and the authority to crucify you? And Jesus Answers him. Don't miss this. Jesus answers him and says, <laughs> You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Pilate, you'd have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. In this moment, in this intimate conversation between Paul or between Jesus and Pilate, it is completely clear that there's one free man in that room. There's one free man in that room, and that man was Jesus. Jesus was supreme authority, and Pilate should have recognized it with his heart that day. And here is the truth that Paul does write about later on about Jesus having all authority. Paul writes and he says there's a day coming because what Jesus did, there's a day coming and here's what it's about. Philippians chapter two, eight through 11. It says, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. 
Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The reality is, is this. This is absolute truth that what's going to happen someday. God has already given him the name above all names. But what's going to happen someday is that every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under earth. Guess what? That is everyone who's ever lived and died, ever existed on the face of this planet. That's who it encompasses. That's, it's everyone. Everyone. And there is resurrection to take place. Those of us who are in Christ are going to be resurrected to be with him. And those who are out of Christ, who have rejected Christ, they're going to be resurrected to a judgment of eternal hell. But before they're cast into hell, the Bible says, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And there's two ways that's gonna be said. I believe there's two ways it's gonna be said. By those of us who have fully surrendered our lives to Christ, when we bow the knee and we declare him as Lord, it's gonna be a cry of victory. He's Lord. And for those who bought into the lie of this world system and they've rejected the truth of Jesus Christ and a relationship with him, they're gonna bow the knee and they're going to say, he's Lord. He's Lord. I was, I was sitting that day in, on February 26, 2023 at Lakeside Fellowship. And the knock on my heart was loud and clear. And I rejected it. He is Lord. He is My plea to the one in here today that's sitting there and God's been knocking on the door of your heart and you know it is to will you please, by faith, simply grab the doorknob and open the door and allow Jesus to come in. And allow Jesus to transform your life. My plea today is that you don't wait to bow the knee and speak with your tongue. Then. <laughs> My plea is that you would bow the knee and confess with your tongue and your mouth today that Jesus is Lord and Savior. So what's the rest of the story? Here's the four knocks on Pilate's heart. He had those knocks happen loud and clear on his heart. What was Pilate's response? Pilate's response in verse 38 back in John 18. 
He goes out to the Jews and says, I find no guilt in him. So he acknowledged Jesus' innocence. But you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? Then they cried out again, not this man, but Barabbas. Barabbas is a robber. Give us, the, give us the bad guy. Don't give us the one who's not guilty. Give us the bad guy. Give us the sinner. And we know the rest of the story in Pilate as we read through that, and you can read through the account and focus in on Pilate. He goes back and forth. He constantly says, he's innocent. I don't find any guilt in this man. I don't find any guilt in this man. But because the crowd and the world pressed in and the noise of the world turned up in his life, he gave in to the noise of the world and did not turn to Jesus. You know, I don't exactly know Pilate's heart completely, and I don't, we don't know everything about Pilate, but it's highly likely that it's too late for Pilate today. But let me remind you, it's not too late for you. It's not too late for you. Will you please answer the knock of Jesus at the door of your heart today? I, I beg you, give up on the empty pursuit of what this world has to offer and set your pursuits on Jesus for he is knocking loud on your heart today. And to the believers, to my brothers and sisters in Christ out there, we are part, get this, first we have a personal relationship with Jesus. Amen? We are a part of a spiritual kingdom, amen? A supernatural kingdom, amen? We know the absolute truth, amen? And we are under a superior, perfect authority, amen? This message has to be told. We have nothing to lose. If that's the truth, we have a personal relationship, we have a supernatural, we're part of a supernatural kingdom, we know absolute truth, and we have, and we're under the supreme perfect authority of Jesus, we have nothing to lose. And we have a message that has to be told. Let's ask God today, let's beg God for boldness. And let's be intentional with our conversations with unbelievers this week. And let's really be intentional to have spiritual conversations, bringing in Jesus into the conversation at every chance and opportunity we have. Because that's what's gonna matter for eternity. Father, you are such a good, good God. Lord, I am, I can't comprehend this week that Jesus being all, being fully God, all knowing, he knew what Pilate would do. He knew that Pilate would reject him. And yet God, because he loves us, because you love us and because you love Pilate so much, Jesus had this spiritual conversation with him. And Jesus invited him 
to know Jesus, to know himself. Lord, I just pray right now, God. God, I can't save anyone. I can't do any of this, Lord, apart from you. So God, I pray that today, right now, in our midst, God, I pray that you who you've been, you know, and you've been knocking on the door of someone's heart in here and many people's hearts in here, Lord, you've been knocking on their heart for weeks, months, maybe years. Maybe today was the first knock. Lord, would you rescue them today? Would you fully persuade them that you are the truth and the way and the life and you're the only way to get to the Father, Lord. Take people from death to life today, God. And then Lord, for those of us who know you, Lord, Lord, we can't lose. We've got nothing to lose, God. Make us bold. God, make us bold like you made the new believers in the book of Acts bold. Have us, have Jesus enter into every conversation this week that we have with different people, Lord. Give us the boldness. Use your spirit to prod us and to push us to bring Jesus into it all this week. So that we can be laying up treasures in heaven. God, use your word today. Thank you what you're doing right now. We love you in Christ's name. Amen.